everyone, and thanks for listening in. Welcome to Leading Well, where we get to know the leaders and how they make it happen. I'm your host, Tim Davis. And I'm his co-host, Alyssa. Let's welcome our guest, Gabe Johansson. Thanks for being here, Gabe. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, so I've known Gabe for quite a while. I consider him a friend, and he serves on our board at uh, at Valor, but uh, he's an all-around good dude. So anyway, uh, so like, where did you grow up, Gabe? Um, started out in California, got to Oregon in, uh, at the end of 1989. So I consider myself to be a native Oregonian by now. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And then, uh, what was life like as a child? Oh, life was good. I suppose. Wow. That's a loaded question. Is this a heavy question now? You can go wherever you want to go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Life was pretty good for me as a kid growing up in California in the eighties. Uh, there was sunshine. We had a pool in our backyard, so not not a lot of complaints. Uh, my dad was in the car business, worked a lot, so I didn't see a lot of him. So mm. spent a lot of time with mom. And uh, then we got here in '89. I was entering my teen years, and uh, I decided I wanted to be become part of the family business. Mm. And so mom kind of passed me off to dad, and, okay. I, and uh, he he took it from there. So I actually started off when I was. I think I was 15 when I convinced him I needed to be in charge of our marketing, and uh, he let me write all of the radio and TV ads, and so I actually, uh, if you remember back... I do remember the, some of those. When, yeah. what, I guess that would have been in the 90s, yep. so during the 90s, you would have seen me on some TV commercials and radio ads and things like that, so I was I was really interested in uh, in the marketing side. Of yeah. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Super fun. Yeah, I, I remember right on Market Street, right? Yep, the yep. Johansson Nissan. They're yep. going back. Okay. Yeah, they uh, the owner of Salem Nissan just moved back to Market Street. Oh, wow. Yeah, Interesting. So they yeah. came home. Yeah. Damn. What was the first time you think you identified yourself as a leader? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Being invited to a leadership a podcast. A leadership podcast. <laughs> this, is, this is it, my coming out party. Um <laughs> I would say, you know, I I had uh, signs of it as a kid. You know, they put you into small groups and they tell you to do a project. And somehow I always ended up being the leader of of the small group. Yeah. Um, So I think I knew from an early age that I had leadership qualities. Um, As I got into the family business, it took me uh, until I was about 23 years old before my dad put me in charge of the whole company. So I took on a lot of responsibility at a very young age. I didn't realize Mm. I was that age. Right. (laughs) Uh, I wanted the responsibility. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's always been part of my DNA. Hmm. That's good. That's good. What, uh, what was the first thing you remember being passionate about? Man, could be sports, could be cars, could be. I, I would say cars for okay. sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I spent the majority of my childhood drawing cars. I thought wow. I was going to be a car designer. That there was, you go. That was my dream. Yeah, <laughs> a car designer. Yeah, I really, I really love the art form of cars. Yeah, I feel the same way. I uh, watched a video recently of the new Hyundai, like. Type oh, Z, oh the gosh. new like Isn't that it's a concept right now. I don't it's like, like a nitrogen fuel cell yeah. car. So it looks like that it's one's... from the eighties, but yeah. it's futuristic. Oh yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Do you have routines in your life? You know? Yeah, I um, my routines have turned into. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Every day is sort of devoted to something different. Mm. Do you want me to go into that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So Monday, uh, I start off the week and I, you know, most people sort of run straight into the, the fray, right? I mean, mm. morning traffic and, uh, everybody's back in action. It seems like there's a common theme that everybody hates Mondays. <laughs> so I tend to run opposite the pack and I don't leave my house on Mondays, usually until late afternoon. So wow. I'll either work from home or I'll go do a workout or I'll do some things. And I take, I take my Monday mornings. It's probably the slowest part of my week. Wow. It's Monday morning. Wow. That's so, cool. so that is something that's a little bit different about me. Most, most people know they won't see me on Mondays unless I pop into the office late afternoon. Uh, by Tuesday, I devote that to uh, my brokerage, so I own SMI Real Estate and Property Management, uh, but I, I devote my time to my brokers on Tuesdays, and so we have an office downtown. We meet there, and we spend the morning together uh, talking about putting deals together and such. By Wednesday, I devote that to the management company, and so I end up um, in management meetings, and uh, you know we go through the week and sort out any problems that, that people are having. Um, and then by Thursday, uh, Thursday comes around and the week starts to lighten its grip on me just a little bit. <laughs> Tuesday and Wednesdays are rough. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Tuesday's your Monday. <laughs> yeah. Tuesday. Yeah. That's probably self-induced, right? By <laughs> taking Monday so slow, it all, it all stacks up on me Tuesday. And, uh, but I'm always working, but I'm always having fun at the same time. So it doesn't feel like work. I love what I do. So Thursday comes around and I try to start getting caught up on, on some of the things that I need to do. Um, and I devote that afternoon. Typically, um, I'm with my mentor and one of my clients who is a, a well-known real estate guy here in this area. Uh, his name is Paul Curley. He owns CPR. And uh, we have become partners. We own some buildings together. We do some things together. And so we devote Thursday afternoons. So the whole afternoon is devoted. And it's an interesting afternoon because you would think we would be talking about real estate, but most of the time uh, we're not. Mm. We're, we're talking about getting our heads right. Uh, we really egg each other on to think bigger and to do more. Um, and so I think that we're sort of a, a, there's a dual catalyst type of a thing that's happening mm -hmm. there. Um, so that's my Thursdays. By Friday, I'm hoping that I can sort of get caught up on all the emails that I've missed and things <laughs> I need to do. And so Friday is, Friday is sort of a catch-up day, but most of my staff by, you know, four or five o'clock in the afternoon, they're like, they're checked out. <laughs> everybody, everybody wants to be gone. And oftentimes I'll, I'll stay in my office till seven or eight o'clock working Friday night. So there again, at the end of the week, when everyone's right toast, I'm yeah. still going. <laughs> that's right. So that's, that's right. So Friday night's probably more like my Monday morning in reverse. Uh, Saturdays, um, I devote to my wife and my family. Um, Jan is great. I've got a five-year-old grandson, Cash. I've got three daughters. And so, um, you know, we've got to get some family time in and spend, spend some time together. And then on Sundays, um, I devote that to God and mm. uh, to recovery. Um, I spend my mornings in a recovery program. Uh, we do an AA, NA type meeting on Sunday mornings. And uh, I mentor some guys in that program. And we spend a lot of time. So my, my entire Sunday morning is devoted to recovery. Mm. And uh, I kind of carry that theme throughout the day. And it just depends on what's going to happen Sunday afternoon and, you know, get, get ready to do it all over again. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it goes yeah. by quick. It feels it is a loop. I can yep. tell you that, especially when you're that busy. You know, I always know little things like Sunday night, we have to put the garbage out. 
<laughs> and I'm like, wow, didn't I just do that yesterday? I mean, it just right. like a week goes by. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, it's going by quick. I guess that means I'm having fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. You Usually, like we always, there's even the phrase case of the Mondays because everybody's like yep. dreading this Monday coming <laughs> by. And I think, you know, you said you have kind of place yourself in a, in a way that you don't have that Monday feeling on Mondays. And I think that's a beautiful, like, I mean, because of delegation, because if you had not been able to delegate and tell these employees where they need to be doing and what, what they're doing, you wouldn't have that Monday. You'd come in Monday and you'd have to answer all those emails right away. And all those, you know, deals yeah. and all that stuff would be all you. So De- Delegation is, is important. Having the right people, having a yeah. good team. And that takes a while to build. Mm-hmm. But once you have it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, uh, I know you, you, that Sunday morning, uh, kind of group, right? You've been a chunk of those guys have been together quite a while. Yeah. We started, um, I started the meeting about 18 years ago Mm. in the car dealership back when I was in, in, in my car biz days. Um, and I noticed, you know, the car business is a very hard business. And yeah. it has a very high rate of addiction. So mm. any any form of sales, really, sales in and of itself is mm. is a drug, I would say. <laughs> yeah. And you can have a lot of fun selling, and it can you, you you'll find that people that are really good at it tend to have that addictive personality type. So um, I saw a need, and I thought, hey, what better idea than to start an AA meeting at a car dealership? Wow. And so that's that's how the meeting started. After I left the car car dealership, we moved it uh, to a friend office, but that, that was kind of the, the original group were all car guys. And to this day, there's still several people that are in the meeting that are, that are either used to be in the car business or still are in the car business Mm. in some form. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, uh, when I grew up, I moved 21 times and, you know, something was always changing or whatever. And so now to have similar relationships as you have with, with close people who love the Lord and, and love to serve the community and stuff. I mean, looking back at, you know, we had a group that's been meeting for about that same time, maybe 15, 18 years, you know, and uh, how how influential it's been in my personal growth and my ability to serve the community. Uh, I, I'm grateful that God made me a learner. So so I, you never arrive, right? Mm-hmm. You just keep trying to surround yourself with uh, influential people. And uh, you've certainly had an impact on my life and our organization. And so that's, that's of course, cool. Um, jumping back briefly, when you were talking about something with Paul. Um, we, we often received just like we're giving out even though it's a mentor we it's usually a a, uh, learn learn Mm -hmm. uh, scenario so yeah yeah one of our uh recent valor board meetings i think i brought up the comment that it's possible that god had us doing all of this for us you know it was for us (laughs) as as the mentor right yeah you know i mean i think that's why he sent us out to be fishers of men it wasn't just it just wasn't just for you know the masses to no. learn about him, but it was for us, you know, to sharpen yeah. our faith and yeah, build our relationship. Yeah, you know, Sven always says this is always just as much about us as it is yeah. about all that we do, right? Yeah. Which is just another way yeah. of saying what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah, I mean, uh, what would you say in in your current scenario, work wise and investments and all that? What what's been one of the bigger changes you've seen in maybe the last five or so years? Well, the world is quite a different place, isn't it? Mm. Um, You know, now switching from cars to real estate, I've been in real estate for 10 years. um, And the market has has definitely changed in certain ways. Of course, 
you know, we focus mostly on apartments uh, management and, and brokerage. And so we see, you know, rents now are triple what they were mm-hmm. when I got into the business 10 years ago. I know that. So there, there, there are pros and cons, obviously, mm-hmm. as, a, as a real estate investor or broker. Um, there are some benefits to that. As a renter, obviously, it's harder and harder uh, to find a place, you know, that you can afford. So I think that um, when I first got in, everybody, the buzzword was kind of affordability crisis. We have a housing crisis. Uh, I would say that uh, looking back today, uh, that is more true than ever. And probably, um, you know, if we could have what we had 10 years ago, (laughs) we might be better off. But today we truly do have quite a shortage of housing. Um, a lot of that is, I guess, a shadow, what I call a shadow after the Great Recession. Uh, we just didn't build enough units. We didn't build enough houses. Um, and then, you know, the it, kind of the boomerang effect comes afterwards when the market starts to rebound and people start to have money and they want to own something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that all gets exacerbated with COVID. And now, you know, interest rates are super low and people don't want to live in small apartments anymore. I mean, it's just, it's really a strange dynamic. It feels very artificial. It doesn't feel at all organic, I guess would be the best way to say Mm. it over the last, maybe not five years, but at least over the last two or three, it definitely feels like we are experiencing the aftermath of, uh, of, you know, a lot of manipulation in Mm. our economy Mm. uh, and in our policies and in the way uh, housing is, is handled. Yeah. Yeah, uh, some people might look at your job and be like, that's got to be a really stressful, very, very, very busy job. What's something that you have fun doing? I have fun with all of it. (laughs) I I mean, I can't lie. I was really, you know, car business for me really wore me out. I was done. I was ready to be done. That was a really hard chapter of life. I had a lot of fun doing that too, but I got to the point where I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I'm a relationship guy, so I love people. Um, I love helping people and this, this career path gave me a lot of opportunity to do that in, in many different facets from helping my brokers to my employees, to our clients, to our tenants, um, to the community, to the community. Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's an unlimited amount of opportunity to Mm. help and it's just super rewarding. And, uh, I, you know, you can ask Jan, I, um, I, I don't think you could work this hard if you didn't love what you were doing. I think mm. that's 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 one nugget there you hear leaders talk about is you can't you can't be an entrepreneur, start a business, own a business, run a business, and have any level of success unless you have the component of passion. You really have to believe in what you're doing, and you have to love it because if you didn't. Uh, it would ruin your life. I mean, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're doing something. Yeah, you're doing it all day, every day. So you better love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, what's something if you were to think about? Uh, like, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. The Bible says, <laughs> but uh, what's what's an idea that you feel like that you stole or adopted that was pretty influential in in maybe you or how you run a business or organizationally or yeah. You know. You know, to me, everything is marketing going back to when I was 15 years old and I fell in love with the with the marketing side of the car business. 
that's that's my favorite part in all I do. As a matter of fact, one thing that I do interesting in real estate is I I kind of just bring all of the things that I learned. So even though I spent 20 years in the car business, I felt at first when I left, I was kind of depressed, like, oh man, I just wasted two decades of my life, you know? And then luckily that wasn't the case. I was able to translate a lot of that knowledge and wisdom over into real estate. So I, I didn't invent all of the things that I do in real estate that seem, might seem cutting edge. I really didn't um, come up with any of that on my own. <laughs> I just said, hey, wh- how come they do it this way in real estate? The way we did it in the car business was like this. And I sort of just did a hybrid model and I brought the car business into real estate. Mm. And, um, you know, and the good things about the car business, which right. there, are, there are a lot of, I know a lot of people have a negative feeling about, about that industry, but, but there are a lot of good things that come from it. And one of the things is work ethic. What mm. I find in real estate is there, you know, a lot of people get into real estate because they think it's kind of a part-time gig or they can set their own schedule and they can, <laughs> you know, I'm writing offers. Make from the big commissions. And yeah, <laughs> make big commission and go, you know, go play for a while. And, and there are a lot of brokers that do that. And uh, they get in and they find a, they, they get a little taste of success and uh, they kind of go from, from one closing to the next and they don't really, uh, they don't really focus on building a business. They kind of just focus on filling up the bank account and then it drains out and then they got to go fill it up again. And so mm. I see that as a tremendous waste of time and energy because of how much opportunity there is and, you know, for success, I guess everybody's driven by different things and they probably, those people would think I'm crazy because... <laughs> Why does he need to keep working every day when you you know when we're doing this sure. much business? But the reality is, is I can work probably fifty percent of what I did in the car business and and make a you know a tremendous living doing so. And I bring in brokers who I, I think one of the things that really makes SMI different from other brokerages is I bring brokers that have a desire to be investors. Mm. And so we've built a team that is highly sophisticated, not necessarily because I trained them, but because I promoted a, an environment to where they go out and they buy buildings themselves. Yep. And most brokerages really uh, frown on that concept. They don't want their brokers to be involved in the investment side. They just want them to keep their head down, you know, make them money, make your, <laughs> make your calls, make your commissions. Yeah. It's not right. about building your own portfolio, but once again, it's me helping people to start their own portfolios and to build financial freedom and, and to build wealth for their families. And uh, in turn, what happens is we end up with uh, a set of brokers who really, when you think about it, you're like, oh, I want to go buy a building. Who should I call? Well, if you call somebody who's never bought a building before, that's Mm. what you're going to get, right? Mm. You're going to get a broker who knows the textbook way of working you through a deal, but you're not going to get somebody who can see the deal through the lens of an investor who can go, wait, hold on a second. You know, somebody that's almost like a partner that you don't have to take on as a partner. Right. And so that, that, you know, I think that that's, um, that has been the one main difference that set us apart from other brokerages. And one of the reasons why we're attracting really good brokers, because they, they see if they're if if they've been around real estate for a while, they see that their path to financial freedom is not necessarily selling more real estate; it's owning more real estate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you alluded to this earlier. It's uh, attracting the right people, and, and and you do that by, I think, being you, and and then the people you attract will likely have your DNA, right? So around here, we call it. We like to look for people who think like owners. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can be the person at the counter at the restaurant, but 
act like an owner and and there's money and hours and and all that comes with that right seeing the wrapper on the floor that just mm-hmm. gets picked up right or, or the in your business the person who needs more hand holding to get to the finish line than others right yeah have you heard of this concept of quietly quitting they're they're talking about the next generation rather you know we had the great resignation now right. they're talking about quietly quitting where uh you know, you don't you do your job, but you just kind of do the bare minimum to get by. Like you don't really want to work there, you don't really care, but you're just going to do enough to where they don't they don't fire you. And that to me, that's a culture that just drives a company into the ground. You want to have employees that are bought in. They believe in your mission statement. They believe in what you're doing, and it's more to them than just a paycheck. I think that's that's right. what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at the Battle Mansion or the Rec, we just we say way more than a bowling alley, right? And so being here is helping at-risk youth. Being here is helping foster families. Being here indirectly, mm-hmm. you know, affects all those all those different things. I think that is a challenge. Uh, it'd be interesting. I, well, you probably have as much problem as as maybe the other sectors of business. But uh, I was with some experts that said that we can probably look for two more years of this type of uh, behavioral challenge when it comes to employment and, and those other, the mindset of that uh, quietly quitting type of thing, you know? So, yeah, um, to, to other business owners and, and other people uh, hiring and, and trying to grow what they're doing, what piece of advice would you get, would you give around this, like what we're talking about, to hire the right people, to attract the right people? So I, I would say, you know, uh, your culture is super important. Your branding is super important to make sure that people understand your culture, right? Because mm-hmm. your culture is one thing, but if people don't understand what it is, then, you know, that uh, all the way down to like when we rebranded uh, last year, our colors have been, you know, we're a, a old company. We've been around since 1976. Right. Somewhere along the way, our colors became purple and green. Probably the last two colors any business owner would pick for, <laughs> for, for their logo, right? <laughs> and so we had the option to change that, and we decided, you know what, let's stick with let's stick with it, but let's go with some different shades of purple and green that are a little more modern, and uh, and let's let's play our, our maybe one of our weaknesses to us to become a strength. And so when we did that, you'll notice, um, you know, what we tried to do is go to a more fun and friendly uh, look. So, mm. you know, it, th- in everything we do, I guess, you know, I, I always say if I ever write a book, it's going to be called Make Friends and Have Fun. I, I live my life by those principles, right? I mean, it's really everything that we do from a culture and everything we do from a branding perspective, we want to exude that we're trying to make friends and have fun. Right. Mm. I mean, what property management company do you know that's trying to make friends and have fun? I mean, that's it's it, one. Yeah. One. Yeah. One. There we go. Yeah. 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 It's it's not a very friendly business. It's interesting, right, that I come from the car business and I come from uh, <laughs> property management of all things. The two. I mean, you know, that it seems like the, the polar opposite of what I would be drawn to. But, mm. um, you know, I, I think that that I think it is super important to communicate uh, through your employees and so that they understand. And, you know, I say speed of, speed of the boss is the speed of the crew. I really feel like, um, you know, you have to lead by example. Yep. Uh, you can't say one thing and do something different. People really, if you want people to buy in, they have to see that you're bought in. Like they yep. got to buy into you, right? Yep. And if they've bought into you and your vision and what you're doing, I mean, you can, you can grow it as big 
as you want. It, it's, it's infinite yeah. because the people will go out and they'll find you more of the right people. And yep. you know, your customers or whatever it is that you're looking for will just send you more of right. what it is you're looking for. You don't have to be constantly grinding to find new people to work for you, to find people to come and, and buy your product or your service, right? Yeah. So I, 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 re- I really think that if, <laughs> if you're not attracting it, then you got to take a look. If you hear this a lot, well, we need, we're always hiring, but we can't find good people. I mean, it's just like, mm. you almost, I don't know how many times a day you hear that, right? Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, if you can't find good people, the first thing I said when, when I bought the management company, I sat down, they said, well, we've been trying to hire somebody for six months and we can't hire anybody. I said, okay, well, we have two problems. One, we're not paying enough because that's why people go to work is to get paid. Right. Or, I mean, there could be other problems. It could sure. be cultural problems. Could be, could be whatever. But I said, the other problem is, is we have, that means that we're not taking care of our current employees properly. Like, we, right. if we can't hire somebody for six months, we need to shift our focus from going out and trying to find someone else and take care of the people that we already have. And that's exactly wow. what we did. Is we, we gave everybody a raise. <laughs> we changed our culture. We did all the things to make their lives better so that we made sure that our staff was solid. And then, you know, what's funny is now suddenly just people want to come work for us. Right. We don't have to go out and beg people to come work for us because they see what's going on and that the people are happy. And now yep. our employees just go out and say, hey, my friend, my, my relative, my neighbor, some, you know, they're looking for work. We told them SMI is great and they want to apply. It just sort of happens organically. Yeah, that's cool. Well, Gabe, thanks so much for all you do in the community. Thanks so much for your friendship and your support. Thank uh, you. you. know, your mentorship around town and uh, all you're doing. Yeah, may God just continue to bless you, man. We appreciate you. God bless you. you. Thank Alrighty. you. Yeah. And if you'd like to hear more about or learn more about Gabe and his business, you can go visit them on SMI's real estate and property management website, smire.com. And thanks for listening. And if you want to find us on all of your podcasting platforms, thanks for listening live if you're if you're tuned in to KSLM right now. And um, feel free to rate us on all of your podcasting apps.